0: Her and EU, a European podcast on gender equality, brought to you by the Martin Center with Loredana Teodorescu. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this new episode of Her and EU, a podcast on gender equality and women's role in the society. I am Loredana Teodorescu, and our special guest of today is Nina Gregori, the executive director of the newly born European Union Agency for Asylum. Ms. Gregori, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Mm-hmm. Hello, Loredana. Hello, of course, to the audience. And thank you very much for this kind of invitation.
0: Thank you, Ms. Gregori. I would like to start with your own personal story. Uh, You served uh, within the Slovenian Ministry of the Interior uh, before being appointed then the Executive Director of EASO, now European Union Agency for Asylum, which is really a crucial one in Europe. So looking back, what have been the ingredients of your success and how uh, being a woman has affected your career?
1: um yes it's it's very interesting question and indeed i'm happy to share i would say a bit of my experience Uh, As you know, I really worked all of my professional life in migration and um, topics related to migration and asylum, indeed. And of course, being an executive director of now the European and the only European agency for asylum is, of course, is the peak of my career. So I'm happy that I was able to achieve that. But when you ask me about the ingredients of the success, I can I can definitely say hard work. I think that's very important. then I would say respect um, to the others. Of course, that means, of course, to, let's say, to your, to your colleagues, to, to the ones that are basically, you, you've been surrounded, you are surrounded every, every day. Um, and I think also enjoying working with people. I like to communicate with people. I like to really, um, you know, contact people, uh, to listen to people and to talk to people. So I think that's quite, it's quite important in our line of work. And then definitely a positive attitude, because you know you can only imagine in migration world there are always challenges. And I think you just need to kind of keep yourself positive. You need to remain positive, otherwise, yeah, well, it's it's really difficult. And in that line, I would also say a bit of persistence. I, I think a bit of a positive stubborn needs to be present there. Otherwise, you know, if you gave up quickly or too quick. It's, it's difficult. And then of course the support of your family, um, that really matters.
0: Thank you. And being a woman has affected your career. Do you feel that this was, I don't know, sometimes an advantage or an obstacle?
1: Um, I would say in my case, this was, I would say was always an advantage. I, it's very interesting because of course, you know that I come from Slovenia and historically, um, and I was born still in Yugoslavia. I mean, So that was a socialist country. But um, when it comes to the gender equality um, in Yugoslavia, you know uh, women after the second world war, so meaning my grandma and even before they needed to contribute to build a new society after the war. And um, I think that's in this respect, it really helped much. Um, that the level of gender equality in Slovenia was always very, very high. Uh, so I think it's in a way, it's a, this is definitely a positive uh, outcome of the difficult, although socialist times. Um, and I think that then, of course, also then when, became, when Slovenia became independent, it was never a question for, for us, for the girls um, to go to school, to uh, get uh, university education. You know, this was already normal, even with my parents or in their time. And I think that, of course, helped much. Um, I always worked uh, in the, in the fields, as I said, of, of migration, with that also in the field of, of um, law enforcement. Uh, and this was predominantly always men's, uh, let's say, playground or the field of work. And usually there are, of course, uh, gentlemen who are middle aged or even, of course, before the retirement. So, quite influential and important ones. But for me, really, that was never an obstacle. You know, I think that um, in many, as I said, in many cases, this was an uh, advantage. But I think that you just, as a woman, you just need to place yourself um, in the right position and in the the right and, and proper role. As I said, respect is important. But then, of course, I think you also need to understand how to express of course um let's say also your experience the knowledge and in a way how to contribute and with that as i said now as a woman for me that definitely was an advantage i would not say an obstacle yeah
0: yeah and when it comes to women leadership uh, i would say that the european union seems ready uh, to be to lead by example mm-hmm. have you ever felt uh, the need in your organization uh, to prompt for change for instance introducing specific measures to promote equal opportunities
1: mm-hmm. yes um, um, let me first agree with the with your with your i would say sentence when you said that indeed the european union um, does appear to be prepared i think to lead by example. I think that, that's really a positive development. And I think that, of course, the recent election of uh, Madam Roberta Metzola um, to the, of course, the presidency of the European Parliament is in a way a case a case of uh, point. Um, I'm happy for her, of course. I'm also happy because she comes, let's say from, from a small country. And uh, I, I know her also personally. She's really dedicated, hardworking person. And I I am happy that indeed she was successful. Um, She was elected directly. So also this is something that is, I think, very important to mention. Um, And indeed, we increasingly, I think, see more and more women at the helm of the EU, of course, such as definitely the president of European Commission, Madame von der Leyen, and of course, also in the ECB, Madame Lagarde. I mean, half of the European Commission is also female. So this is, I think, great there are also my colleagues in european agencies of course ladies and dj home for example as led by madame pariat and then we have of course also um, in our case Madam uh, madame commissioner so by Johansson, also a woman so i think i mean if you take a look it's from my perspective you know it's really uh, a lot of a lot of women in very influential places and i think that's good uh, but uh, indeed of course I think that we still can do much, and this is something that we always need to bear in mind, us as girls, us as women, but also I would say European Union generally. Um, I've read uh, recently, I mean, my colleagues presented this to me, uh, that in 2021, this was, it, there was a report on gender equality in the EU, because also us as an agency, we of course need to be acquainted with them. And indeed, uh, European Commission recalled that uh, the Council of, European, uh, of Europe's recommend, recommended uh, that the 40% of political decision makers should, should be women. So for uh, us, opposed suppose the, the progress uh, to equal representation in society, I think matters no But when it comes to UAA, so when it comes to our European uh, uh, Agency for Asylum, I can only reiterate and I'm happy to say that half of our management board, Members are female, uh, and that's among our staff. Um, so the staff of the agency, sixty percent uh, are women. So I think that even with that, well, in a way, we we uh, have say, a nice a nice uh, results, something to show also to the others. And indeed, it's it's I like to work with women's colleagues. You know, I think that sometimes um, there are let's say when it comes especially to the difficult decisions, I think they in a way see the world a bit differently and and we can relate. And then I think it's, it's a bit easier sometimes also, indeed.
0: So you are already an example. Let's say. So I'm curious to know a little bit more also about your specific work uh, at the European Union Agency for Asylum in relation to women. Uh, We know that men and women are exposed to different types of risk and vulnerabilities during the different stage of migration. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, what we mean by gender dimension of asylum?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, I think it's very, very relevant uh, question and also discussin- discussions should be ongoing in Europe because while the gender is not uh, specifically referred to um, in the definition of a refugee, um, it is widely, I would say, accepted that it really does play an important role because, of course, um, in you, you see that uh, the, the type of persecution or harm suffered is this a lot of times also connected with gender. Before, of course, women and girls arrive in Europe, many of them have faced different forms of uh, violence, uh, whether this is sexual violence or abuse, exploitation, or of course, discrimination. And it is not a secret that in many parts of the world, women are much more, let's say, vulnerable than men. And of course, the Common European Asylum System establishes um, an obligation, of course, to identify those applicants who might require special um, procedural guarantees because uh, of their age, uh, because of their sexual orientation, because of their gender. And uh, I think that is very, very important. That's why of course proceed, uh, when, we, when it comes to uh, what we discuss about the procedures of asylum, then of course there, there need to be a safeguards and there are already in Europe safeguards in the Member States in place. Um, as uh, of course, uh, per adequate interview conditions, then of course um, we the member states have trained, of course, female staff that are available and to assess assess the claims of of of, uh, uh, of of women in in the crucial, and that's a very crucial for the consideration of the of course ending of the procedure. And then also we have male family members that in a way can be excluded from the procedure, because of course there might be, uh, let's say circumstances of the outcome that we need to of course uh, take, take uh, care of. And then we also have um, the, so the special accommodation that needs to ensure, of course the safety for women and girls, as well as the social programs that can focus or are focusing on the, on the female empowerment. So I think that in this, let's say basket of the European asylum system, when it comes to especially reception and procedural guidelines, although so so the instruments are already there and the majority of member states is there, I mean, are implementing those. So, and of course our agency is helping with a lot of toolkits and uh, tools to really um, implement and improve also that.
0: So you mean that this is already reflected in the new mandate and agenda of your agency?
1: Yes, 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 correct. Because also before as uh, being European Asylum Support Office, so EASO, of course, we have done that together with the member states. We've prepared uh, those guidelines. We've prepared a lot of training activities. Um, So the training curriculum that also envisaged uh, the, um, of course, the vulnerable groups, Uh, focus on that so indeed yeah we're just continuing to do that and in fact uh, UAA will try to let's say of course also make steps forward in this direction. Great
0: and do you think that the European Union is doing enough uh, on that when it comes to the gender dimension of asylum or it could be more ambitious. So I have in mind, for instance, the example of Afghan women, uh, who we know are particularly under risk now and likely are more likely to reach Europe to seek protection. Uh, so what role can play your agency in this uh, in this matter?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's, of course, uh, member states are trying to address that. But as I said, in, under the previous uh, question, so our agency supports European authorities in their efforts in um, identifying, I- assessing, but also, of course, responding to the, to the special needs of applicants for international protections. We are um, developing, developing a lot of, as I said, practical tools, um, such as the, for, for example, Vulnerability Toolkit. We also have a lot of so-called thematic meetings. We have over 40 networks that are dealing with different issues and questions. We invite the member states, we invite international organizations, we invite also experts to those sessions. And we want to, of course, address the issues such as the child marriage trafficking human beings, uh, female, of course, um, genital mutilation and gender-based violence um, in in international protection or in asylum cases in Europe. We try to offer a wide range of, of trainings, as I said, to asylum and reception officials. And of course, yes, they are happy to attend and So I think that this work goes into the right direction, but there also needs to be awareness among our population. So European population, as you said at the beginning, Gloridana, and I do hope that with that, we can contribute also as an agency.
0: Definitely, I think that's that's really really important, and you are doing already a a good job in terms of communication. Uh, So now let me conclude with a last personal question. Uh, Today, as a woman leader, you can be considered also as a role model. Uh, Was there anybody who inspired you throughout your life?
1: Yeah, well, I as a role model, (laughs) thank you. I mean, it's it's a big word. I think it's very important one. So um, I, I do hope that at least I can inspire, inspire my children. I mean, I have a son and a daughter and especially, yes, I would like to inspire them or at least hopefully they will find me as a role model. Um, but I, I grew up in a, a very nice and very encouraging environment. So I think that I would have to say that indeed, my parents and family have been quite influential for you know, uh, of, of who I am or where I am. Um, and in this respect, when it comes to family, I really need to, you know, in a way, um, well, put an emphasis to my, to my, to my grandmother, she was the, the, so the mother of my mom, um, she suffered so much through the Second World War as a girl, um, but then she always, you know, in a way broke, broke through, huh? she was always so encouraging and a real inspiration, I think, not only for me, but also for my brother and and the other, I would say family members because she never, never, never gave up. So I think that's, you know, it's, an, it's a thing that um, I think it's, you know, kind of a stage with me, but there are of course many women that in a way have been revolutionary in their field of work, like Marie Curie, for example, I, you know, I, I, I think that she lived in very difficult times for women, but then she never gave up, all right, anyway. And there are so many women that are hidden in the history behind men, um, which probably, you know, have been very influential and have been, we know that through some, of course, uh, the stories, uh, the beautiful books. So I think that's, you know, it's good for young women also to see a bit of a history, because I think that's, you know, there's always an inspiration for all of us. Yeah.
0: Thank you for reminding us also those women. Uh, Ms. Gregory, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your personal story and for giving us also an insight on the role of your new agency. Uh, Thank you to the Martin Centre for making this podcast possible and thank you all for listening. We will be back soon with a new episode of Her and EU, so stay tuned.
1: Thank you. That was
0: today's episode of Her and EU. Subscribe to our podcast for more.